This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Create Your Dream Business Now Academy, a one-of-a-kind live event where Jim will personally teach you how to market and grow a more profitable business faster, even in a crappy economy. During this event, Jim will reveal how to create a million-dollar platform on a shoestring budget. You'll learn how to generate a ton of content with ease, how to attract a steady stream of new customers, and you'll also network with other successful marketers and entrepreneurs. This not-to-be-missed event is May the 7th through the 9th in San Diego and will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's www.dreambizacademy.com. Hi, I'm Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver and author of Adversaries and Two Allies, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Marketing and business building expert Jim Palmer, known internationally as the newsletter guru, is a serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and coach to other entrepreneurs. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, a weekly web TV show featuring Jim's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out today at www.newsletterguru.tv. Please welcome your host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm so excited about this week's show, folks. My special guest is author, speaker, and coach James L. Capra, but everybody calls him Jimmy, so I will do the same. Let me tell you a little bit about James. He is the CEO and founder of the Frontline Leadership Group, which is a leadership and training and development firm. He's also the author of a really excellent book called Leadership at the Frontline, Lessons Learned About Loving, Leading, and Legacy from a Warrior and Public Servant. Now, Jimmy is known by his friends and colleagues, again, as Jimmy, not James. That's way too formal <laughs> once you're, a, once you're a, a speaker and all that. So, But he, listen, he retired after 27 and a half years with the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. I can't even imagine the stories that he must tell over a beer occasionally. Prior to his retirement, Jimmy served as the Chief of Global Operations, responsible for 227 domestic offices in 86 foreign offices in 67 countries. Throughout his tenure as a government executive, Jimmy has been a highly sought-after speaker throughout federal, state, and local government agencies on national security issues as well as contemporary leadership challenges and practices. And prior to his DEA career, Jimmy served in the United States Navy, the Navy Reserves, Air National Guard, and as a military intelligence officer. Just because there was another page for his resume, he had to keep filling up. Holy smokes. He, he holds a, uh, a Bachelor of Science from Marist College and a Master's of Education from Seton Hall University. He's been married to his wife, Shelley, for 33 years, so we have that in common. And they are also proud parents of six children. And uh, most have taken up their lives also as public servants. And I'll say this finally, for the last 12 years, Jimmy has uh, delivered keynote speeches and really world-class leadership training. And I'm just excited to learn some really great nuggets today. Jimmy, hey, thanks, man, for being my guest on Stick Like Glue Radio. 
Jim, thank you very much. Just such uh, an honor to to be with you today. I'm excited about it, and we're we're excited about this new journey we've been on for a while. It's it's just fantastic. Well, you have had quite the journey, and thank you for your service. I, gosh, I thank anybody that's uh, served our country, and you've served for for decades. I mean, did you did you just think the Marines and the Army they that didn't fit your resume? <laughs> so you just <laughs> no, you just and, and actually, you know, I usually usually when I, I I'm speaking, I usually I talk about my military service, and and uh, grew up in a large family. Most of us uh, in my family, six boys and a girl, uh, most of of us kind of served in one capacity. Uh, or another, but I, I always get razzed by my Marines out there. So, well, you know, I see it, and you weren't in the Marines, but in the Navy, I was a Navy corpsman, and I took care of my, which is a medic, and I took care of a lot of Marines. So I get a pass on the Marines all the time because of that. But uh, yeah, it looks like our family's covered the the, the gamut of uh, service, even in my family today with my uh, my mom, young. I have a Marine, I have a, a Coastie, and I have an Airman. So uh, we're, we're continuing to uh, leave a legacy of service. Well, that's wonderful, and I, I really appreciate our uh, our mutual friend Tom Tucall Cunningham for introducing us. And how did you uh, how did you get to know Tom? I got, I got to tell you, what a spectacular man of character. Um, I have had the opportunity to meet lots of of men and women in the course of serving the country, and uh, getting out and and starting this new journey as a speaker, as an author, and getting connected with people. Uh, I met Tom through another wonderful guy, another wonderful speaker, Phil Hatfield, out here, who introduced me to Tom. Tom was kind enough to introduce me. Just, I'll tell you, just a phenomenal group of men and women of character who really care about others who are in the same field, and, I, and that's how I got to meet uh, Tom. And Tom subsequently introduced me to, you know, you and to others out there that I'm that I'm talking to and getting connected. Who are helping me along my way? So it's you know I'm I'm blessed beyond beyond measure, man. Well, it's a good community, and um, you know I first met Tom. It was either two or three years ago. I lose track of time, but during the uh, 75th anniversary of Think and Grow Rich, um, I, I was one of the speakers, as was Tom, brought out to the event, and um, you know we just connected instantly, and um, uh, you know we obviously uh recognize we're both christians and speakers and business and you know business guys and it was just he's he does have a wonderful uh a wonderful heart and a good spirit about him for sure yeah he certainly does man and i'll tell you i just been i i really have i i mean it sincerely i've just been blessed to meet a whole host of right now uh men in in this arena who are who are doing the same things that i'm doing and who are willing to to help me and sacrifice along the way and kind of point you in certain directions. So it, it, it's uh, it's been great. Well, you've had um, Jimmy quite an amazing career, and I, I guess probably could go sit on the beach somewhere at this point. But <laughs> you felt you felt I, I saw you felt in you, your words you felt called uh, to start your current business. That you, you know you said you had a passion to get involved in leadership, and that was born out of witnessing so many poor leaders over the decades of service. So fill in a few of the blanks on that. Yeah, you know, we we first of all the call. You know, I I, I would uh, tell men and women as I moved up the ranks. Listen, you've got to be one of the. You got to be happy in 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 the profession that you're in. You should be happy. Going to work shouldn't be ever be a chore. And and a lot of times, men and women in the I call it the warrior professions and stuff. If you talk to them, the majority of them say I was I was called to do this. So it's it's not about money. It's it's about serving in something bigger than yourself. But one of the opportunities that I've that I had was to move up in the ranks, and 
you sort of get in a sense as, as, as I'm watching some of the young men and women move up, as they move into leadership positions, there, there was, for some of them, certainly not all, and I, and I want to make that clear, people got a twisted sense of what it meant to be a leader. And what what does that mean? What, what does being the leader of anything really mean? Who is he? What are you responsible for? And and unfortunately, in in government, like in a lot of organizations, I, I, you know, we witness men and women who may be technically competent, Jim. You know what I mean? They're 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 maybe good at their job, but but they stink as leaders because they have a twisted sense. It's I'm the boss, you're the subordinate, you do what I say, you know, not what I do, type of thing. And I, and and I was going, man, that's not that's not that's wrong. So I, I my belief and my passion was to develop a relationship with men and women that you work with, and so that relationship develops a level of trust, and that it brings unit cohesiveness. And I started to talk to uh, my young guys and gals, and trying to mentor them to say, listen, if you want to make a difference in your own leadership walk, if you really want to make a difference, first and foremost, in, in the men and women that you have uh, who are entrusted to you, and that's what they are. When you become a leader, people are and, and organizations are entrusted to you. And you want to make a difference, you have to learn how to fall in love with them. And and coming from a guy who spent time in, in the military and in, and in a job like DEA traveling all over the world and really doing some high level stuff and some some dangerous stuff it's not the things of tv you know that kind of throws people when you say you got to learn how to how to fall in love with them and that that sparks the conversation is hey what do you mean jim what what are you talking about i said exactly that you've got to learn how to care about them they become first they that it is it is it the, the emphasis is not you anymore the emphasis is on the men and women that you're entrusted to I heard an expression once. I don't know where I heard it, but servant-based leadership. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you you as the leader, you're in a position of authority and most importantly responsibility. But it doesn't mean you know you sit back and while everybody else does yeah. the work. And it also doesn't mean, by the way, as a leader, you got to go down there and dig the ditches either. You just got to you just got to provide a, a, a good work environment and right. you know provide uh, the right leadership and things like that. One of the things that's always been part of my life all along is uh, humor. I love to laugh. I totally yeah. I gig out on making people laugh. I've done it all my life, and you know I faced. Um, cancer for the first time in 2001 and you know whenever you face your mortality you, you tend to realign your priorities and right. so I did a few things differently but one of them is I decided I wanted to laugh even more <laughs> so it's just I mean it's just by my nature and um I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here and share this story with you. So I'm part of this nonprofit called Good Works, and we repair homes for low-income people. And you know, we everybody uh, donates one Saturday a month, where we we go to a project home, and all the materials are donated, and of course the labor is donated, and we just you know make a difference in some poor communities. And um, so, as, as a matter of fact, I just got a pin: 50 days of service. So I've been doing this for like five years now, and. Um, one of the first work days, um, you know, when I, I'm, I'm a work crew leader, which means I, I'm a leader. I have zero skills, but I'm the guy who will keep everybody <laughs> organized. And But one of my jobs, because I realize everybody's volunteering, some of the conditions are really not pleasant. So I just I go around, what do you need, what can I get you, and I'll try and make them laugh. Well, the first time the uh, – I'll call him one of the boss people. He's a volunteer too, but he oversees the whole work day. He goes from home to home, and he says – 
lot of laughter going on in here. And I said, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I didn't miss a beat. And I said, by the way, we're going to do so much more work because everybody's having a good time or something like that. We, we, he's gotten used to me. But, you know, not everybody's used to different styles of – because I think people don't want to be led. They want to be inspired and, you know, they want to be part, as you say, part of something bigger than themselves. Right, right. Yeah, you're you're 100. percent I'm not. I'm I'm I'm. It's funny because we're the same ilk. Because I do. I, I love having fun. I enjoy it. We 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 believe it or not, people say, "But you're DA. It's all this crazy stuff every day." It, yeah, it it is. From working on the street, all the all the way up. But 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 work shouldn't be a burden. I never never believed in that. The, and here's what I would tell people: Listen, our job, our mission is serious. Okay, it is it is very serious stuff. But in the course of, of doing this, in the, in the course of the, the the normal progression of a day, don't be careful not to take yourself too seriously. Like, like suddenly, you know, I'm so important and others aren't, and, and that's where you got to be careful because the ego can slip in. I tell people, mm-hmm. be careful about that. E- we all need that ego to, to run to operate, but be careful that that ego will 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 kill you. It'll 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 destroy things if you start thinking I'm becoming more important than the men and women who are around me. And again, I, I, again, Jim, this is I, I, that's why I tell people this isn't rocket science. It's genuinely caring about people, and it's not mamby pamby stuff. You said something earlier. One of the things that I, I talk about in servant leadership, I said, well, you know, in some um, uh, some sections uh, within the corporate world, within public service world, people don't like to use servant leaders because they think it's a mamby pamby thing. I said, listen, let me tell you something, dude. I mean, for, for me to be be a servant leader isn't a wishy-washy thing, you know, because if you're if you are one of those who's entrusted, I'm you know, entrusted to me, and you're not holding up your end of it, you're, you're going to know about it. And part of part of part of that whole notion is I'm accountable to them; they're accountable to me. And and part of loving those that person is sometimes having to look somebody in the eye and say, "Listen, brother, you ain't cutting it, and you got to go." You got to go. You owe it to yourself, and you and I owe it to this organization. You got to go. So it's not this. Everybody's okay. It's a tremendous amount of accountability, and it becomes a personal. That servant-led thing is this drive that you want to. You, you, the, the the drive should be, I want the men and women who are entrusted me to grow professionally and personally. People, what do you mean? That's just as important, man. Because people in that workforce, people that we, they're dealing with life's issues every day. You know, we, it, it's not like that doesn't impact them. And in the book, I talk about a couple of circumstances of some guys that some of them self-imploded. Others had issues. What are you going to do? Pretend that doesn't happen? Pretend, pretend that, 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 well, that's, that's your problem. It's like when I first joined the Navy, I remember a guy who was married, he said something, your own instructor says that the Navy wanted you to have a wife that would have put one in your sea bag. Well, that's not how we operate anymore in, in hmm. companies and business. We don't. It's the whole. It's the whole person, you know. So what's the, what's the bottom line, Jim? What's the, what is the bottom line? Well, the bottom line is the mission. The bottom line is you know is profit. The bottom line, and I and I tell people all the time. Listen, I've been doing this stuff for thirty something years. I'm telling you, the bottom line is people, and when those people are led well. When they know that their leaders care about them, they, you, it's amazing to see the drive. Now, not everybody gets it. And, here, and, here's, and that's the problem I have, being very critical about some things, is not everybody who's going to work for you and in your organization is necessarily going to get it. And, and that just comes with it. It's I call you know the baggage factor. So, yeah. so you have to understand that. There's no magic, you know what I mean? There's no, here's the three simple steps, and then suddenly you become a phenomenal leader. 
you got to be in that arena. you got to be working it. You know, in your book, uh, Leadership at the Front Line, you talk about leadership and how most often um, the failure or perhaps what breaks down at many businesses is that people pursue success and not excellence. Yeah. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. We, we, um, we, everyone, you know, when you talk, say, I want to succeed, I want to succeed. But, but one of the things when you do see breakdown some places, and I talk about this a lot, is that are you, are, if you pursue success, and people say, of course you pursue success. The problem is, is like I always say, is you can, you can cheat and succeed. You can. You, you can, you can cook the books and, and succeed. Um, you you can you can cheat you know you can and I mean personally too on your wife on your family and still look like you're succeeding but ultimately it catches up to you you know ultimately something's doomed to fail to fall apart and if you have bad policies and bad business practices the, the culture will start to you will see within the culture the climate of the culture will start to crack but when you reach for excellence when you, that that excellence is to reach, not to be settled where you're at. Always be reaching for the next next step. Always be, the, what can I do better? How can I do this better? It's never being content. And, and I don't mean, don't get that confused with, I'm not content in my job. I'm not content in the position in life. I'm, 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 it's always that willingness, that kind of self-improvement. And if I'm, I'm willing to push myself and my people to go to the next level, you know, because they should, because that's what helps us grow. That's what helps help them grow. And when we're, when we're doing that, when we're pursuing that, organizations, they they boom. You know, they, they just flourish. And I've been into so many different places around the United States and stationed in different areas that when you get your team together and they start realizing that, and they start getting putting those principles to work, saying, listen, we're going to care about our people, we're going to get our job done, we're gonna we're gonna pursue excellence in everything we do. I have a, I just set my office up, and one of the neatest things that I got uh, from a couple of my the crews that I've worked with over the years was a couple of nice plaques, and in it one of the guys said pursuing excellence at ev- at every level, you know. So and that catches a fire in your belly, man. Mm, that, it really that, does. That's what I mean. That that just when people see, man, you you know, the, it's that personal kind of. That that personal commitment to your people, and they can see we all do. Human, you, you know, and you can't act. You know what I mean? A lot of guys try to, you know, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend it's kind of it's not up with people. It's 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 serious stuff. But uh, the the emphasis should be a willingness to change people's lives for the better. Yeah, uh, you know, Jim, just, Jimmy, you've also said that good leaders pay a price to lead. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So when when one of the things. I got asked a number of years ago is, hey, can I be my can I be my uh, my group's friends? Can I be my section's friends? I said, you bet you can be. And um, but you, you're their leader first, but you pay a price in terms of um, sometimes it's an emotional price. Sometimes it's when when you're dealing with people every day and you build relationships with with people. Sometimes people will disappoint you. I had a. I had a senior executive tell me many years ago as I was coming up through the ranks and nearly nearly took me off my feet. He goes, you need to keep people at a distance and off balance. And I'm like, what? This is what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. You keep yeah. people at a distance and off balance. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is if I keep them at a distance, 
how can I build a re- how can I am ever going to be build a relationship with them? And if I don't build a relationship with them, how will they ever develop trust for me and for what we're trying to do? And if I don't develop trust, how well we'll be able to get the mission done? And so what happens when you draw people in, and that's what we should be doing, when you draw people in, when people get close to you, human beings make mistakes. They they do things sometimes that surprises you. And and part of being a leader is sometimes, you, you know, stepping out. And, and sometimes we bring people in and people can disappoint you. Uh, the workforce can disappoint you. That doesn't mean you stop. Um, you, you do, you do. You do pay a price. You can also, if you're if you're not careful, you can pay too much of a price and become unbalanced in in what you're doing, uh, especially when you love what you're doing. So you have to be careful. You're you're constantly balancing that with your with your family as well. It's a big it's a, it's a it's a big commitment to be willing to stand up, raise your hand, and say, I'll go in the arena. I'll be I'll be part of the leadership. That that's not to be taken lightly. People, you know, I always often ask people why, you know, what, why do you want to? Because usually in any organization, as you move up the ranks, it's not like you're moving up. Like I, I just got from, you know, forty thousand a year to I'm going to make two hundred. You know, you start asking people, what's your motive to leave? What, why do you want to lead? And it's always a great question because, you know, first people look at you like, um, <laughs> and you're saying, no, this it's a good thing to want to to go to the next step. But really deep down, you know why? And do you know what this is going to entail? It's it's uh. I'm telling you, brother, it has been it's nothing but great when you when you when you talk to men and women and you share with them things that you learned and you watch them grow both professionally and personally, whether they are in the leadership arena or not. You know, I I I don't know how long ago this was. I I wanna think it was the late nineties or early two thousands. There was always there was a CEO I'm, I think his name was uh Al Dun Dunlap or Dunlop. He was known as um Chainsaw Al. Because he was always going in and doing mass firings, just doing anything he could to improve the bottom line. Then he'd sell off the company. And Chainsaw Al, I mean, I don't know the man. I don't know his heart or anything. But he had one hell of a reputation for for not giving a crap about people. Yeah, it it it, it and that and you know that you know I I um, I read something not not uh, too many years ago about Mort Meyerson, who worked with. Uh, Ross Perot, who I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Perot some years ago and spent about 40 minutes with him. But Meyerson wrote an article about everything I learned about leadership was wrong, and it was in Fast Magazine. And he wrote it some, some, some a while ago. But Meyerson said when we were building a company, he said, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd freaking kill people metaphorically and drag their bodies around so people could see it. And that's no, that's no way to run. He goes, now listen, we made millions of dollars. He said, but... But in, technically, they destroyed people's lives in doing so, and certainly not intentionally. But you thought, hey, this is the way we have to do. And people were on edge, and you know, pay for performance. People got to be cutthroat, and they were, you know, so that, what kind of climate is is that? You know, what kind of yeah. climate? Listen, in my career and in my profession, we I, we send young men and women out on the street every day, in in, in incredibly dangerous situations they are tactically competent an amazing group of men and women and so it's it is serious you know it is serious business they cannot afford to make a mistake tactically i tell guys but but when you waltz into the leadership arena you know you you got to be willing to say sometimes i'm going to make a mistake sometimes that's going to happen and when i do how do i react to that you know what, what then do i do and we talk to men and women about that, about saying, hey, 
you know, we, we get we are fearful sometimes as when we get put into positions that uh, I, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to be the guy with all the answers. I said, you're not. You're not the guy. You're not the guy. You're still learning. You got to become comfortable with who you are, what you are. And the way to do that is that you, when you start to develop that trust in those relationships with those men and women, and they recognize that, and you use them to help leverage getting you better, and vice versa. So, so why? I mean, one of the chapters in your book is um, throw a life ring instead of an anvil. Yeah. I mean, it's probably self-explanatory, but give us a uh, short, short uh, little answer about that one. Yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes in in uh, in, in loving, you can. You can love your, your people all you want. You can guide them, direct them. You can, you're raising them up. You're doing everything possible to help them. And they do something stupid. They do something completely irresponsible. And they self-implode. In, in, in my organization for years, one of the things that we, we got used to seeing, and it, it was just done, is when that happens, um, and we used to see it in the military too, is you say, hey, you're on your own. You, you pointed the gun to yourself. You put it to your head. You pulled the trigger. You know we're done with you, and then what I tell people is, and and what we do in the response to that is, well they're flailing, or I I put it in terms is, well while Johnny's driving 90 miles an hour towards the edge of the cliff, you know we look at him and go, geez that's a shame Johnny's driving towards a cliff at 90 miles an hour, but nobody's throwing, you know trying to stop him from going over the side, and when he goes over the side, we pour gasoline on him instead of going, okay, how do I? How do I help this kid? How do I help this woman? How do I help this man? And then you hear people, well, well, they did it to themselves. Yeah, I know they did it to themselves, but is there any way that we can help mitigate it? Because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you can't, Jim. I mean, sometimes the conduct is so egregious you can't. But in a lot of situations where people make some poor decisions and poor mistakes, you got to go, okay, is there is there a way, and I, you know, is there a way, to say, listen, is there any way we can we can we can help this person? We can mitigate what he's done to himself. We can help be part of the solution to helping him correct the things that he or she may have gotten, you know, involved with. Um, and even yeah. and I and I tell people that that's important to do. We're, we're we're part of that. We should be part of that that process. And I use an example in a book where guys. Uh, his whole he was we thought he was something um at work based on everything he was a he was a okay you know agent and everything and came in one morning and and found out that his wife threw him out and and uh threw him on the street cuz he was living with some demons that he'd been dealing with and he confided in her and she did what uh, normally anybody would do and now the guy's a wreck you know he's he's a wreck so we know him we know what his faith is we know I know what his background is a little bit. So instead of instead of what we could have done is based on what he did, we could have suspected, I could have suspected that he was doing other things that were, were violations of policy. So instead of reporting him up all the way up outside to the headquarters elements, I decided to say, wait a minute, let's do some things to make sure he didn't, and then let's try to get him some help. So we had a chaplain's program, we had an employee assistance program, and, and I said, instead of lighting him on fire, we did our best to throw him a life ring. Now, here's here's the bigger thing. When I we, when I talk hey, about Jimmy, we we got like thirty seconds, so I just need you okay. to finish up real quick. I love the story. <laughs> so so that's that's what I mean. You, you throw him a life ring. You, you throw the guy a life ring, and and you try to be the, you try to be part 
of the assistance that he or she needs to try to get their life back on track. It's, it's and that's right what thing. a real leader does, right? I mean, that's yeah. what a leader does. Yeah, and you can't do it every time, you know, because, because different situations demand, you know, you know, certain certain reactions. And the more egregious the conduct is, you may not be able to do that. But uh, it also sends a signal to your men and women. So wait a minute, man. This is a good place to work. This is a place where people care about you. This is a place where I can grow. Uh, this is a place where I can trust, and, and uh, I can be part of something that, that's great. And then you develop these guys and gals to take over. You want them to be better. I do. I want them to be better on it than I was. Honestly, yeah. that's, that's been my heart. Absolutely. So, Jimmy, it's a fascinating book. How can uh, people, well, first of all, where can they get the book, and how can they uh, connect with you it, and learn more about right, what you Right, the book is on, is on Amazon. It's also an e-book as well. Uh, it was an online publisher that did it, so at Amazon, and, and, and I think it's in Barnes. It's at the Barnes & Noble site. If they want to get a hold of me, I have a website, um, www.frontlineleadershipgroup.com. And uh, um, if they're looking for somebody to come out and talk to their organization about what it's like to really love and take care of them and change cultural dynamics, um, I'm more than happy to, to talk to them on the website. Is my phone number, my email, jlcapra at yahoo.com. Uh, I, enter I entertain everybody and anybody, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for being on my program, and thank you again for your service. I truly appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. It was my pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with author, speaker, and coach Jimmy Capra. Stick Like Glue is the only radio show dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach, and I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Be sure to check out Dream Business Academy, dreambizacademy.com, for more information on my next event, which is coming up May 7th, 8th, and 9th in beautiful San Diego. If you're an entrepreneur, speakers, coach, anybody who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, you need to be there. Again, all the information is at dreambizacademy.com. That is a wrap for this week. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Now go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at www.getjimpalmer.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.